Before we get started with this episode, I've got a quick question for you. Why should a couple book you instead of any of your competitors? Now, I know that may sound harsh, but it's a question you need to answer in your marketing if you want to stand out and book more weddings. After all, if couples don't know why you're the perfect fit for them, they'll compare you to your competitors, and that usually results in them comparing you based on price. Clearly, standing out is the solution to ghosting, price shopping, losing perfect clients to your competitors, hearing things like, we went in another direction all the time, your very understandable frustration, and feeling like you can't raise your prices, as well as so many other problems that plague wedding pros. That's why the totally free Stand Out and Get Booked Challenge is all about making sure you stand out from your competition so couples know within five seconds if you are the perfect fit for them or not. Because really, that's all the time you've got to stand out if you want to get booked. The challenge is happening the week of May 20th. So go grab your free ticket over at evolveyourweddingbusiness.com slash challenge. And I'll see you there. This is the Evolve Your Wedding Business podcast, episode number 170. In a world where wedding professionals are struggling to market and grow their businesses... One podcast brings together top experts and actionable strategies to help you build the wedding business of your dreams. This is the Evolve Your Wedding Business Podcast. Here is your host, Heidi Thompson. Hey there, I'm your host, Heidi Thompson, and my jam is helping wedding professionals just like you grow their businesses without going crazy in the process. And I have got a fantastic interview for you today. It's something every wedding professional needs to listen to because too many people are falling into these traps. And today's episode is all about website horror stories. And it's with Brenda Cadman, who you may remember from a previous episode of the podcast. We talked about website best practices, but we're getting a little um, horror core with this. We're going to talk about, you know, I was going to say the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it's really just the bad and the ugly. The situations that people really find themselves in with their websites that have the possibility to absolutely ruin, if not derail, their entire business. So I certainly don't want you to fall into these traps. So we're sharing those horror stories today. But before we get into that, have you registered for my free training? It's all about how to make your marketing and really everything that you're doing to promote yourself easier and more effective. And if you really want your marketing to be easier and if you want it to work better, this is absolutely the training for you. So in this training, you're going to learn why your marketing isn't working and what to do about it. You'll learn how to make marketing your wedding business a simple process. This does not have to be complicated, I promise. 
You'll learn the missing ingredient from your marketing and how to make your marketing way less stressful and more effective at the same time. So if that sounds like something that you need in your business, head on over to evolveyourweddingbusiness.com slash webinar, and you can sign up for that totally free training, and I know it's going to help you. If you do go through it, I'd love to hear what you think. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm Evolve Your Wedding Business. I always like hearing from listeners of the podcast. So with that, let's get into the interview with Brenda. Today, I'm joined by Brenda Cadman, who is a website educator, Canva expert, and owns Bonacord Creative, which is a website education and development company based in Charlottetown, Canada. And you've probably heard from Brenda before. She's been on the podcast, and I'm really excited that today she's joined me to tell you about how to avoid some common website horror stories. So thank you so much for joining me, Brenda. Oh, I'm happy to be back. All right. So website horror stories, what kinds of things are we talking about here? Because I mean, everyone struggles with their website, but I know that there are some really big mistakes that people make. Yes. So um, when I talk about a, a website horror story, I'm not talking about um, not being able to get your content updated for a couple of weeks because you're just struggling with figuring out what you want to put on there. I'm talking about things like uh, the business owner who had her friend's boyfriend set up her website and then that relationship ended and he refused to let the website go. I'm talking about having your website hacked and redirected to Russian porn sites oh. <laughs> or yes, <laughs> or a, uh, a local a local level wedding organization association that had their domain held hostage by a disgruntled former board member who, and they eventually ended up moving to a different version of their domain so he couldn't hold them hostage anymore. So there are some pretty nasty situations that can, can happen. Sometimes these are things that can easily be um, dealt with when they happen. You can, assuming that you are able to, that you're dealing with people who are willing to be, accommodating, but I've also seen horror stories that end up in um, legal disputes or completely lost websites where you have to start from scratch and you lose everything. And there are often steps that you can take to prevent that from ever happening in the first place. So hopefully we'll uh, be able to talk about a few things today that will make a difference in somebody's business and somebody's website. Yeah. Being able to prevent this now, you know, is going to help you so you don't actually have to deal with any of the stuff that way too many people wind up having to deal with. And I know, you know, just losing your entire website, like you just go to log in your website and it's just like wiped. Gone. Gone. That is a nightmare. Unless you can think of that situation and you're comfortable with it, you probably (laughs) should. And really, if you are, we we need to have another discussion. (laughs) Clearly, it's not playing a very big role in your business. And that's actually, that's okay if it's not necessary. But I think for most creative professionals, their website is their chief marketing vehicle. It is what they are using to attract new clients. It's what they're using to educate existing clients. And the idea of losing, you know, eight years worth of blog posts uh, when it could have been completely avoided is kind of heart wrenching. So um, it is, yeah, it's something that 
can be dealt with actually fairly easily if you know what to do and also very inexpensively. It's not something that requires a huge investment of time or budget to, to do in order to protect yourself. Well, that's good to hear. I think a lot of people don't really think about the possibility of losing all of the content on their website and think, well, like there must just be some way to get it back, right? Well, and often there is. I mean, you might, it, it depends what happened to it though. If something just got wiped out, whether it was an, an issue at your hosting company or something you accidentally did, if you have, you know, and this actually leads us into talking about backups. If you have proper backups in place, then you can get things back up and running without too much of a hassle. But if you are relying on your hosting company to do that, if there's a, an issue there, um, you could be out of luck if for some reason they don't have the backups you expect them to have. And even if they do, if you're waiting for them to support you in order to get access to those backups, then you're kind of in limbo while you're waiting for somebody else to step in and do it. And I like to always have um, full control over, you know, making changes and recovering my, my website if I need to. So I don't rely on a hosting company for my backups. I have a backup system in place. And I think that I know it, it, this really is primarily for those of your listeners who are on WordPress which is not going to be everyone, but it's still going to be a pretty sizable group. If you're on something like Squarespace or Wix or one of those kinds of website builders, you are reliant on that provider to do the backups for you because you don't have the ability to do backups. But if you're on WordPress, it's really wise to take that into the backups into your own hands. So even if your hosting company does have one, you don't have to wait for them. You can step in and, and install a backup should you ever need to. It's so easy to do to like the number of times I've done something on my site. So I'm like, I can figure out how to fix this. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> oh I destroyed everything. Okay. <laughs> one click to restore my backup. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really critical and it doesn't necessarily mean that you need, it doesn't mean you need to have a backup because you are going to be hacked. A lot of people think, Oh, I'm never going to be hacked. Well, you may not be, but there are other reasons to do it. I mean, sometimes your, um, your WordPress updates, they just might not go smoothly. And I think that we forget some of the, just the little mistakes, the little things that can happen that can result in us needing to have a backup. It doesn't have to be something really um, deep and dark to have happened. You don't have to have been hacked. You don't have to have had your website accidentally terminated by the hosting company, which I had a client have. Oh my God. <laughs> um, the people you're relying on. Yeah. That, hence the reason don't necessarily rely on your hosting company for backups, because if they're the ones who accidentally terminate your account, you might have a very big problem. Um, so there are a lot of reasons that it's really smart to have that backup just in case there's some sort of technical issue with your theme or just the unexpected can happen. And having a third-party backup, the one I usually recommend is called Vault Press. It's literally like $5 a month. It's not a big expense. It's one of the smallest business expenses you will have. But it, considering how important most creative professionals um, find, you know, the, how important their website is to their marketing strategy, $5 a month is certainly very, very inexpensive peace of mind. 
Vault process saved my ass more times than I can count. <laughs> it saved a lot of my clients' butts. So, um, and it's like, you don't yeah. have to freak out. It's like, oh, okay, I broke everything. Uh, I'm just going to go restore the last backup. Exactly. And I think because of that, it can give you the confidence that you need to get really comfortable working within your website. I think a lot of times people are just really afraid to break something. So they don't want to go in and make any changes. But as a result, it hinders them in terms of spending the time to learn how to make updates on their website and to take control of the content and just have that skill set because they're so afraid that if they break something that they're not going to be able to undo it. But if you know that you have an automated backup system that's backing up every day, it's backing up, it's uh, storing 30 days worth of backups, you can easily access it. And if everything gets shot to hell, you can have somebody come in and help you restore it if necessary. So in the meantime, feel confident running your updates and making those changes and, you know, getting more familiar with working around the back end of your website. Um, I mean, don't do anything silly. Don't go in and start randomly deleting chunks of code because you think they aren't necessary to be there. But um, I think it's important not just for protecting your website, but also building your confidence in working within your, your, largest marketing um, platform. And that's how I break my website is the yes. confidence of I can <laughs> figure this out. It's like, Oh, nope. Turns out I can't. I'm just well, and you do that. <laughs> exactly. And you will have learned something valuable. So it is mm-hmm. not a waste of effort. Exactly. So you had mentioned updates and sometimes updates go wrong mm-hmm. with WordPress, especially updates are super important but I feel like a lot of people don't do them. That is correct. (laughs) They really don't. Um, And uh, it is often one of the biggest reasons that people end up getting hacked is that they, they just, they don't do the updates. And unfortunately um, it, it, I think often the, the view is, well, everything's working just fine. So why would I update it? Every, I don't need to, it, nothing's broken, but you want to continue to do those updates because those updates are what will enable your website to continue to run smoothly. Because if you don't have it, um, you know, you may be opening yourself web, your website up to a potential hacking. And then also if you just don't update them for long periods of time, even if you don't end up getting hacked when you do go to update things, because things are no longer playing nicely together, it, it makes it much more difficult to update it because suddenly everything is so out of date and it's not complicated to do. You just need to, you know, honestly set a reminder on your calendar or your, um, if you use Asana or Basecamp, whatever you're using to manage your projects, if you just have a recurring task once a month to remind you to run those updates and then check over your site to make sure that everything still looks the way it should and works the way it should then that's all you need to do. And it really doesn't take much time. It's just a matter of remembering to do it and prioritizing that and, and getting that reminder into your system. I don't think most people realize that that's a security threat. It, yeah, that, that it's definitely the case. They don't even realize that it is something that is opening up their website, but there are bug fixes in those updates. Um, it's not just about, you know, adding new features and functionality, which often those updates can also do. They can maybe fix problems, patch problems that are, are happening on the, the plugin, but they also do, they do also include uh, security patches. And it really is important to keep those up to date. I would say of all the websites I've seen hacked that needed to be fixed up, 
usually outdated WordPress plugins um, were usually the number one cause of that. And it costs you nothing to stay on top yeah. of. Yeah, that's interesting that that's been the number one cause in your experience because, yeah. you know, like you're saying, a lot of people don't even think to do it. It's like, well, it's fine. It's working fine the way it is. Yep. Yeah. And it's, again, if you have a, a backup system in place, you can rest assured that even if something breaks when you do your updates, which doesn't happen that often, it's more likely to happen if something's really out of date or if there's a major plugin update. Um, but most of the time the updates go pretty smoothly and if they don't, you have that backup in place. So feel confident to just go ahead and do it. Now, I wouldn't suggest running your updates on, you know, like a Friday night or a Saturday morning if you intend on having a website developer step in and help you clean things up if there is a problem. Um, so don't do things like that at times of the week or day when you're not going to be able to get somebody to step in and provide some support. So typically I would, you know, do things like that near the beginning of the week. So just be careful about how you plan it. But I think the big point is don't be afraid to do it. It, it really is going to help protect your website if you stay on top of that. So speaking of protection, speaking of security, what else do people need to know about protecting their website from anyone being able to get in or change things or take control? Um, so, there's a variety of things. Some apply to all websites, regardless of how you've built it. Uh, others are WordPress specific. So just on the WordPress specific side of things, I like to always see a security plugin in place. You do want to have that additional layer. In addition to making sure you have backups, making sure you're doing WordPress updates, having a security plugin in place is definitely helpful. There are different ones out there. Um, the one that I kind of consider the gold standard is one called Securi. It, it provides a variety of different things. So it will monitor for malware for, for your website being hacked um, or, or otherwise compromised. And it'll alert you to that. They include, they also include cleanup. So anytime I have somebody come to me whose website apparently has been hacked at that point, the, simplest, most cost-effective way to get it fixed is for them to go sign up, get Securi, and then we can install that on their website. But when they pay for that, those folks are going to go in and clean up the mess for you. And then you're also going to have the protection going forward from their plugin. So in addition to the monitoring and the cleanup, it also has advanced protection services. And I can tell you that every client we've had on security on security has been spared entirely from security threats. So they've got a firewall as well. So it's keeping people out if they do get through, it's letting you know, and it's cleaning it up for you without any additional cost. It's, it's about, um, I believe about 200 a year right now. Okay. It's, it's a more expensive plugin for sure. There are less expensive plugins that you can go with as well. You can look at something like iThemes Security Pro or WordFence. They are, they do have less expensive premium services, but not surprisingly, they don't include, um, the level of, of, support and features that security has. So you really are getting a lot of value for that money. So that is one of the more expensive kind of security things that you can do, the more expensive um, steps you can take in terms of protecting yourself from a website nightmare. But at the same time, if you can just imagine that scenario again of losing your website entirely or having your website hacked and having to deal with it, I think most business owners would be 
more than prepared to throw $200 at it at that point to, to not have their website down for weeks and lose their SEO rankings and, and all of the nasty things that come along with having your website compromised and pulled offline. That's a really good point. When you look at it that way, it's a bargain. It's a bargain. And then beyond the, the WordPress side of things and the security plugins, some of it is just really seems like commonplace knowledge, but still a lot of people don't do it, which is make sure that you have strong passwords. Make sure that you limit your login access. Um, don't be sharing that login with everybody because sometimes the compromising of your website isn't somebody planting malware on it. It's somebody with the best of intentions wanting to run updates on your website, not knowing what they're doing and breaking your site and not, not um, letting you be aware of it. So I've seen situations where that happened, where somebody had administrative level access to a website and she never should have. And she had been instructed not to run updates to leave it to us to do because it is a very complex website and something broke and they discovered it at 11 o'clock at night. So mm. Uh, on an e-commerce website that relies on their store for their revenue. So it's, there's a lot of different scenarios that can compromise your website and just being careful about who you share all of your logins with and the level of access that you share. Um, if somebody just needs the ability to post blog posts, you don't need to give them full administrative level access such that they could take the entire website down. You know, I've always heard that you shouldn't use the same password in multiple places. And I wrote it off for a significant amount of time. Like, what? Whatever. Who's going to figure that out? And then <laughs> I've learned how that works <laughs> and how Target could have a breach. And maybe yeah. my password for my Target account is the same as my website. And then yeah. that opens that up to... Anyone who can access that breach data and just go try that password and, um, you know, a million different places and Gmail and um, Google Drive, like trying to log in to everywhere. Yeah. And because- it's automated. It's not what it's not one guy sitting in his basement <laughs> going through this manually. There are systems and programs that do all of this so that they can, you know, uh, go through uh, try a whole lot of passwords in a short period of time. There's, this is not being done manually. So, it, and the fact is, I think a lot of people just think that they're too small to be targeted, but there's a lot of different reasons that some of these jerks out there <laughs> are wanting to, um, to compromise your site. And certainly you don't want to give them, you don't want to make it easier for them. So using different different passwords and complicated passwords, strong passwords, not ABC123. And I still see passwords of that kind of simplistic nature given to me when I'm working on projects and we have to get in there and fortify that and use something much more complicated. And there, that's the reason that programs like LastPass exist is to ensure that you can change it up easily and you can use complicated passwords and you don't have to manually enter these long, um, you know, 15 character alphanumeric um, passwords every time you're going into a website. So there are tools out there to help you help yourself when it comes to security. I love LastPass and you're right. It allows you to create these like crazy passwords 
And then it's like, oh no, I don't know what my password is for that account, but I don't need to. Exactly. Because this tool has it stored and encrypted. Yep. So definitely having strong passwords is key. But what if we had someone else build the website or in your example of the friend's ex-boyfriend yeah. <laughs> decided, no, I'm going to be bitter and not <laughs> let you have this. Exactly. I'm going to give you back your, your, all your uh, material possessions, but I'm keeping the website. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Um, this is where ensuring that you have ownership of your accounts, that you have all of your logins and that you have ownership of your accounts is so important. And what I mean by ownership is that if you did work with somebody to build your website and maybe they registered your domain name for you, maybe they set up your hosting account for you, you need to, number one, you need to know what those logins are so that you can actually get into those different platforms. But particularly with the domain, you need to make sure that it was registered in your name. And I have seen this before when I mentioned, I've seen horror stories go to legal disputes. I had one client that I had been working with who I think I can't I think it took her about a year to regain access to something because a developer decided that he did not want to let her domain go. And he had registered the domain for her, but he had registered it in his name with his contact information. And there was absolute, she had to go through legal measures in order to, you know, basically prove her right to that domain name and that he was holding it hostage. Now, if you know that your domain is, if you set that up yourself or if somebody else sets it up for you, but you can immediately get access afterwards to update um, the administrative email that is associated with it. So if you needed to reset a password, you would get the password reset email. If it's going to somebody else, you'll never be able to get access to it. Or if they registered it in their name, they technically are the owner. So I'm working with somebody right now who is trying to move her website away from another um, design, a marketing agency. And she didn't set any of this stuff up. And her domain is actually set up under their name, her domain name, where all of her clients go, where she gets all of her business from is not actually owned by her currently. And a lot of people just don't even think to double check that. And if you have a great relationship with your developer, that's wonderful. But ultimately you need to be in possession of that information. You need to be the owner because even if they are the nicest person on earth, if something, God forbid, something happens to them, they get hit by a bus. You need to be able to recover that information. Yeah, that's scary to think, you know, for a lot of creatives, the keys to the castle are in someone else's hands. Yep, absolutely. And it's great that people offer to do that. I don't think it's always, you know, I'm going to screw this person over. Like, oh, okay, I'll no. just, I'll set up their domain. I'll set up their hosting. Oh, I'll absolutely. be helpful. Absolutely. But, it's not usually malicious. I've seen yeah. some cases that were malicious, but for the most part, it's, it's just somebody wanting to help them. And it's a much easier process if you're helping develop a website to set all of this stuff up in the first place. I do set up a lot of this stuff for my clients. And then I quickly change. I I insist they log in. I give them all the login so they can go in, change your billing information, change your contact information, change everything so that you are in ownership of it 
please still share that login information with us so that we can continue to support you. But you need to be the owner of that because quite frankly, if that domain for some reason doesn't automatically renew, I don't want to be <laughs> responsible for that. But I also want them to always feel that they have the ability to go work with somebody else if they feel it's a better fit, but it's their business um, identity. It's theirs to own. Uh, but a lot of people, they, I get it. They, it's just easier to delegate that responsibility to somebody else while you focus on your own zone of genius, regardless of, of whether that's, you know, planning events or creating floral arrangements or whatever it is. That's where you're comfortable. That's where your expertise is. And it's just a lot easier if somebody says, here, I'll take care of that for you to say, sure, great. You handle that for me. I trust you. And there's nothing wrong with trusting someone, but just make sure that you also have the logins should things go sideways. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. And if there's no trace of you on that account, you know, if they've registered in their name with yep. their email address, I bet that's a very difficult claim to make. Well, how do you, I mean, other than going through legal channels where it's clearly your, um, intellectual property where it's, it's the name you've registered that business name and it's oddly obviously yours and somebody's squatting on it. It's very hard to make that case. And unless you are listed as the administrative email address that is going, going to get the password reset, or there's some trace of you on that account, the domain registrars are not going to give that information to you because you cannot verify to them that you are the person who should have access. Yeah, you're just some random person exactly. based on the information they have. You could be trying to break into somebody's account. So they're going to protect the integrity of their client's accounts to the best of their ability. And unless you can prove that you own it, um, yeah, you're going to run into a lot of trouble. So you can just avoid that, sidestep that entire situation by currently sit down, figure out where all of your website components are where is your domain registered where is your host your account hosted where you know what are all those different accounts that are associated with you know running and maintaining your website and then make sure you have all of the logins for them and if you don't track them down now when it isn't an emergency because if you suddenly desperately need to get into something you're not going to want to be tracing it uh, tracking it down then and then if you realize that you are missing information and you can't get it, you can start taking steps now to figure out how to get access to that. And this is where I often get brought in is if somebody's looking to get access to an account and they're discovering that their website developer is not able to provide them that login or will not provide them that login, that's when you need to start making a plan of, okay, how do I regain access to this? How do we migrate this somewhere else so that I actually can have access to it should I need it? Because nobody wants to be held hostage have their website held hostage by another company. I've heard of so many people winding up in that situation. Lot. Happens up, happens a lot. I'm working with a, an event planner right now that it, again, it's not malicious. It's not that the, um, the gentleman she's been working with has a plan to screw her over. That's certainly not the case, but it's just the way that he set it up. He set up her hosting attached to his own, um, master hosting account so that he can't give her access to it because giving her access to it will give access to all the other accounts on there. And oh, she just wow. needs, she just needs to have her own individual hosting account. So it needs to be set up differently. And he's certainly being accommodating and making that happen. But 
otherwise she would have no way to get into it if something did happen to him. So I think a lot of people just don't even realize this is a potential issue. They're just so used to sending a note to their website developer to make changes or to uh, take the steps for them that need to be dealt with when they need to be dealt with. And I think it's just one of the best things you can do to protect yourself from a website nightmare is to just be very proactive about ensuring you have all the access and that you've got a plan in place before something happens. And then typically if you're well protected, if you plan accordingly, you're likely going to avoid any of those things, any of those things happening in, in the first place. And I think, you know, it's fantastic to delegate and outsource these sorts of things that you are not skilled at, that you don't yes. want to deal with. But there's a difference between outsourcing a task, outsourcing a project, and, you know, really just completely delegating the ownership. Yeah, absolutely. Very like big here, difference. This is, this is your car now. And it's like, well, now I want the car. Well, you can't have the car. Right. Right. You want, if you want somebody else to maintain that car for you and take care of it, fantastic. But ultimately you need to make sure that your name is on the paperwork that owns it. (laughs) So, and if you want to go to a different mechanic that you are able to do that. So um, you're absolutely correct. I do think it's important to delegate what you're not specialized in so that you can focus on your own wheelhouse, on your own zone of genius, unless it's something, if you really want to learn how to take care of your website, I highly encourage that. And that's why that backup system is so important so that you can feel confident exploring and and learning how to manage it. But if you have no interest in that, delegate it. I mean, I have, could I do my own corporate accounting? I could probably figure it out. Do I want to? Hell no. (laughs) So I'm going to give that to um, my accountant who is amazing, who I've worked with for years and let her do her thing. But ultimately, I need to have an understanding of what she's, you know, at a high level, what she's doing, what the plans are. I need to be involved in it because it relates to my business. So delegate, but make sure that you are, you know, following best practices in terms of maintaining a level of control over it that you really do need to have. What about finding someone to work with? Because I've definitely heard horror stories about... (laughs) Developers, or <laughs> sure you have developers yeah. or designers that have really, you know, burned clients. Uh, yes, and unfortunately, this is one of those things that you can't really prevent the same way. I mean, I can say do your WordPress updates, have a security plugin, have a backup system in place. All those things you can protect yourself against. It is much more difficult when you go to hire somebody, especially when this is not your. Um, this is not your specialty. You're not going to be able to easily assess sometimes if the person you're talking to actually has the capabilities and the competency um, that they are claiming to have. So you do need to kind of, it's one of these things where you just do need to do a lot of due diligence and hiring the wrong developer definitely can lead to a real challenge. It could be something as minor as, your developers taking weeks to respond, make small changes on your website, but it can go as far as I have worked with somebody that we had to actually, um, it was like pulling her out of a bit of a website mafia situation. She did refer to them as the website mafia because they not, not only were they holding her domain hostage, which she didn't have access to, they were holding her website hostage as well on her hosting. Uh, And he made it clear that, 
he was not going to let it go without a lot of money. And ultimately she could have gone through legal measures, but that was going to take a lot of time. And considering this was an e-commerce platform, she couldn't afford to lose all the money she was going to lose on it in the meantime. So she ended up paying him off in order to regain access and, and move it off to another hosting platform. But if she had done a little more due diligence, she probably could have avoided a bit of that. So Honestly, if you have a fellow business owner whose website you love, if they love their website developer, that's a really great place to start. But I mean, ultimately, you're going to be looking for, you have to understand what your expectations are. You need to, it's not just about them being capable. You want to make sure that there's a really good working personality fit. You want to get client references and contact those client references. I often have to actually insist on providing uh, client references to potential clients because I know that they're going to say glowing things about me. No, no website developer is going to give you a list of people that are going to talk smack about what you've done. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you need to be asking questions, not just about the quality of the site, but find dig deep a, a little deeper to figure out what was that working relationship like so that you can make sure that you're going to be an appropriate fit for them as well. Understand what their turnaround time is like. How responsive are they? And then I am not a fan of building a brand new website with somebody that you haven't done a little bit of work with already. I think that's unless they are coming to you with glowing references from people you trust, I do think it's important to maybe start with a few small tasks when you're hiring someone just to make sure that those go well and then try them on something larger. At least at that level, you'll have a sense of how quickly do they respond to my questions. Do they make me feel like a, a, a dummy when I do ask questions? Yeah. Um, what, what sort, what was that experience like? Start with something smaller before you give them the keys to the, the really, really big project. So if it's not a fit, at least you're not out thousands of dollars. But I do have, actually, maybe I will share with you, Heidi, I do have a, um, a checklist of kind of the questions to, you can be asking if you are assessing whether or not a website designer or developer is a good fit. It really is geared more for somebody who's looking to hire a WordPress developer, but a lot of the questions would apply to any sort of platform. And it's things focused around their experience and their process and what to look for in their portfolio. And then the bottom line is you have to put in the time. You actually have to do this due diligence. And if you just want to take a quick cursory look at their portfolio, think, hey, it looks good, and then move on, you are increasing your chances of ending up with somebody who's just not as capable or the right working personality fit. Yeah, I'll definitely share that in the show notes. And I think that's really key because a lot of people who have never done this before, or even just a lot of people in industries where you know, you're not super involved with the technical pieces, probably mm -hmm. think like, I mean, okay, web developer is a web developer. It looks like they make pretty stuff. Cool. Yeah. But there's so much more. There's to, so much more to it. Yeah. It's Absolutely. such a crucial piece of your business that you really just can't afford to take a risk on someone. Not on a big project anyways, if it's something small and, you know, if it goes terribly wrong, it's not the end of the world and it's, right. you're not, you're not a lot out of pocket. Um, then that actually is a great way to try people out. I've done that myself when I've tested out developers that I might want to bring on team in the past, I will never start them out with a full website development. They're going to start with some basic updates that are definitely well 
um, below their capability level, but I'm looking more for how quickly did they respond and what was that, that, um, process like does was it easy to work with them did I enjoy working with them that's important too certainly technical capability is important if you don't want a website that's going to be continuing to break down but it's really important that you enjoy working with this person as well if it's going to be a long-term relationship what kinds of things do you typically recommend someone start with if they're interested in working with someone they maybe want to start with something small what kinds of projects should they consider it's going to depend on, you know, how their website is built. And, and I'll give WordPress as an example, though, simply because that's the platform that we work exclusively on and is the one I know best. So um, where we will often start, and um, this is a very common place for me to start working with a client. They come to me with an existing WordPress website, something they feel like something's not working properly or they're often the page speed is really slow or they've had security issues and they just – some, there's some reason they're coming to us. We always start with a WordPress health checkup and that's just takes us two hours of time. So it's a small thing. We give them a lot of value because we do a full assessment of what the site looks like right now in terms of the health and the security and the page speed. And then we give them a full report of these are all the things that need to be fixed on it. So that might be a small thing. It's just a couple of hours. It's an assessment. Um, that's a potential place where you can, you know, we might start working with someone or if they have an existing website and they just need a few updates done or they just need something, you know, they need to have their page speed uh, improved a little bit. There are small projects that you can work with somebody on um, before you go into a full-blown new website. Now, I understand that not everybody is in that situation. Sometimes they really just need a brand new website. And in those cases where you're probably going to have to start with a larger project off the bat, it's going to be extra important to, um, you know, really ask around and try to talk to the clients that they've worked with as ideally clients that you have um, some relationship with and you trust what their opinion is. Like I said, it, I'm never going to give client references that I think are going to say anything other than, you know, the best about me. And that's because we do good work. Um, but I, I do think if you can find businesses who have worked with somebody, especially if you can get multiple references to the same person, then, you know, you probably are on the right path. That's really helpful that I think, you know, as long as you have a path to follow, as long as you know what to look for, that can really help put your mind at ease. So you don't have this like constant anxiety that like I'm going to pick the wrong person and everything's going to go horribly wrong. And don't ignore red flags. If something is telling you that, you know, if there's just something in your gut that says it's not a fit, don't ignore it. You might be picking up on things that you're not even aware of. Um, you know, and then afterwards, what I've seen is, Sometimes when a website project has gone terribly wrong and we look back at it with that client afterwards and we look at some of the decisions that were made, they'll say, uh, I, something didn't feel quite right with that or I didn't like how they responded to this and yet they just soldered on. And you know, pay attention to the contract that you sign with your developer as well. Please don't just sign your contracts and hope for the best. You really, you really need to understand what they are saying they're including um, a lot of people get tripped up by this in terms of thinking they're getting a custom developed website and what they're getting is a custom designed website that is built on a theme that was already um, pre-developed. So one of these premium themes that you can buy from th theme forest, for example, a lot of, a lot of people have websites built on Divi and they're not actually custom built. They're just custom designed on top of it. These are different things. So you need to understand what it is that you need 
what it is you're expecting from your developer and you need to understand what they are um, including in the contract in your letter of engagement in terms of what they're actually going to provide because you don't want to be having to go line by line down that contract after things go wrong only to discover that yeah they gave you what what they said they were going to give you but you didn't realize what you were getting yeah that's not a fun position to be in at no, all it's not. <laughs> so Brenda, I'm going to link to everything we talked about in the show notes, but if someone wants to get started like right now, what's an action they should take? Um, well, I do have a free website guide, a website planning guide, which whether you are looking to just kind of make sure your existing website is running a little more effectively or whether you are planning to potentially build a new website, it's going to give you a lot of checklists of the things you need to make sure you have in place. It's going to cover a lot of the security uh, types of items that we've talked about today, as well as, you know, hiring, how, what are the things to hire, uh, improve your chances of hiring the right person and all these sorts of things. So um, you're going to include a link to that as well, but it's just my ultimate guide to planning your next website. I think that would be a really good place to start because it's going to give you a high level overview of these are all the things I need to have in place for a website that is going to work effectively for me as a marketing vehicle. And then hopefully you'll be checking off a lot of the items and you'll have them already in place, but you might see very clearly some of the homework that you need to work on. That is super helpful. And I'm going to include all of that in the show notes, but where can people go if they just want to hang just out, hang see what you're doing? Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, probably best place is the website. It's bonacordcreative.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, not as often as I would like to be, but they can find me on Instagram. And um, my handle there is just Brenda Cadman. Um, and then I've, you know, I've, I've got, uh, the Facebook page and all the, the various bits and pieces as well, but the, the website is probably the best place to start. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this. I'm sure this is going to help so many people avoid so. these horror <laughs> stories. So thanks again. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And now you know what you need to do to avoid becoming one of these website horror stories, because, like Brenda was saying, like these can require a lot of effort, a lot of money, sometimes even legal action to fix. And they are so, so easy to prevent. So I have linked to everything we talked about, including that free training I mentioned up top over in the show notes at evolveyourweddingbusiness.com slash 170. And if you enjoyed this episode, let me know. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you liked about this, what you learned, and what you are going to put into action. So thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today. And I will speak to you again very soon.